Hello, folks. We talk with Chris Vasseur, owner of Bionic CrossFit in Newington, Connecticut, today about fitness and business, the business of fitness. If you're in Central Connecticut, check out Bionic CrossFit. They're passionate about improving people's health and wellness, and I think you'll hear that today on the show. But before we get started, I'd like to tell you about Side-by-Side Nutrition. They're now offering 30-day corporate wellness challenges. They include an in-person or video conference kickoff meeting, an in-body biometric screening, and lots of guidance on making small changes in your routine that have a massive impact on your health. Side by Side is running a nutrition challenge out of Eviction CrossFit starting early January. Send an email to jess at sbseasthampton.com for more details. Enjoy the show. All right, we're going. We're here with Chris Vasseur. Is that how you say that, Chris? Yeah. Chris Vasseur from Bionic CrossFit in Newington, Connecticut. Welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Still a little shaky from the workout we just did, so... You guys uh, looked like you were working pretty hard. Well, I, I certainly was, and I don't know if you noticed the, the weight difference on the bar, but... Yeah, I noticed a little bit of a weight difference, yeah, so... Yeah, a little bit. You move, you move okay, Chris. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you needed that vote of confidence. Yeah. yeah. So let's dive into your... I'm really curious on your athletic background. Uh, we met like six months ago. I, feel, I remember you telling me... Was it more than six months, actually? It might have been. Probably last summer. Yeah, it was probably summer. a year ago. Oh, wow. How did you guys meet? Uh, because I'm kind of a creep, and I just reached out to him and said, hey, I'm thinking about yeah. opening up a CrossFit yeah. gym. <laughs> and uh, three, three different ways of connection. I, I got your number and uh, reached out and was like, hey, could I bring you to lunch and talk to you about uh, what it takes to run a gym? And he's was, like, sure. Is that accurate, or was it a lot <laughs> creepier than that? No, it was so um, my dad who's now retired from Mass Mutual up in Springfield, um, worked or knew your wife, right? Did they work together? Yeah, they worked together. Right? Yep. So he calls me up and he's telling me about this lady who he was passing. I don't know if they were going into a meeting, but he heard over her talk about CrossFit. So my dad's a super social guy and he starts talking to her about CrossFit and my son owns a gym in Newington. And somehow it came up where, I don't know if she knew about Bionic or whatever, but um, my dad called me and told me that and he goes, well, I gave him your number because they were talking about maybe opening up a gym or they didn't know what they were doing. But I said, if you want to reach out to him, go ahead and here's his number. I'm like, well, thanks, dad. <laughs> and then uh, I don't know. It was probably like that same week I got a text from you or a call from you. 30 yeah. seconds later. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, we met for lunch and we had a great meeting. And yeah, appreciate yeah, it. And here you are. Yeah. But yeah, I th- at that time, I thought that we would find a place a lot, lot quicker. It took us a little while to find the space that we're in, but yeah. It eventually happened. We're yeah. three months in. So, well, congrats on that, man. That's Thank awesome. you. Thank you. And and so, yeah, I want to dive into your athletic background. Very curious. So, you, I think you told me that you were into hockey. Yeah. Competitive hockey, or yeah, I started skating when I was uh, probably three or four, um, and I played juniors until I was twenty. Wow. So I played competitively. I wasn't one of those multi-sport people. I just I played hockey all year round, five six days a week. Um, Where'd you grow up? Uh, Colchester, Connecticut. Okay. So it's probably about 20 minutes east of Hartford. Yep. If you're between Hartford and Mohegan Sun. Um, yeah, so just played hockey. And then um, towards the end, I had a little bit of an injury. And that pretty much um, ended that. What was the injury? 
Uh, it was more of a genetic thing. They actually found a uh, they found a tumor on my aorta around my aorta. It was after the game. I got hit. Um, had really bad chest pain. Long story short, eight months, six months of testing, and what happened is the um, the mass started to hemorrhage and swell with blood, and that was the pain that I was feeling. Um, and then it was that it was I was 20 years old, right before yeah. Right, the summer before I turned 21, um, had open heart, open chest surgery. Took that out, and wow. and that was pretty much it. So, and what's the, what was the recovery like? Um, <laughs> it's funny. I have a picture when I was in college that next semester drinking beer. So, I don't think it was too too long. But I was uh, so my 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 aunt is a doctor up at Tufts and Little Medical Center. Um, up in Boston so she had me see a top guy up there and I don't know if they kept me in ICU longer than I needed to just because of like you know it's family to a co-worker but I was in ICU for about a week and a half um, and then it was pretty much bedridden for maybe like two three weeks after that and then the doctors told me pretty much like sports career and all that stuff would be done and I don't know about a career but sports would be done and like at a competitive level, or did they like did they pretty shut much you down? Yeah, pretty much like I wouldn't be working out anymore. Really? Um, all that stuff. Yeah, that's crazy um, news to get at age twenty. Yeah, that's devastating. But I think you know, it's nineteen years ago. I think yeah. things are a little bit different now. Um, you know, I think now you go through that surgery, they probably have you up and moving a lot quicker. Right. Um, it wasn't so much the case then. It was pretty much just stay in your bed and work on your breathing exercises, which I hated because your chest cavity has to expand and it's wired shut and I never did that. I remember throwing it against the wall and breaking it because it, it hurt. And to this day, like my chest cavity doesn't fully expand to the full capacity of what it should because of the way that it's Is it that what's slowing together. you down in like the workouts? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that yeah. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 Meant to add. That was um, noticeable, but I wasn't sure. I could. But that's kind of been like an underlying kind of motivation because you're told that you're not going to do stuff again. Right. Um, Absolutely. And then, but even before that, I was big into, you know, it was like the traditional bodybuilding. I was fascinated with that so as soon as I could get out of bed I went I went right back to the gym against what the doctor said I should be doing and I kind of use a mentality of like well if it hurts then I'll stop and um I remember this one time I was doing like bench pressing and like one of the wires in my chest just popped through the skin and I'm like oh, maybe I should give that a little <laughs> bit more time before I do that <laughs> um but yeah so hockey and then uh big into uh, I think at like 15, I lied on my first gym membership to get a gym membership. And I was just fascinated with, um, it sounds a little weird, but I was fascinated with like the male figure, yeah, like the muscle structure. And it's, um, it's only weird because you're admitting it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and you, and when maybe. you say it out loud, it just yeah. doesn't come across. Yeah. It's, right. I just, you, everybody, I, I was, I remember seeing a cousin, I was probably like, I don't know, eight or 10 or, um, a cousin of mine, her, it was her boyfriend. They're married now. And he was just this big jack guy. At least that's what I thought at the time. And I remember watching him like open up a door, like turn the handle. And I remember seeing his tricep pop out. And I'm like, oh, I want that. (laughs) I was just so fascinated with it. So I I was always into the gym and working out. And then, you know, I wish I had CrossFit when I was playing hockey, but we did a lot of hockey dry land training. And then once kind of that, the hockey part ended, um, I just, I really got into the gym atmosphere and just went the traditional so th- throughout your youth athletic career, were you always bigger and stronger? No. That, no, you weren't. No. I don't necessarily believe you. But. 
<laughs> no, I, I was, I don't know. I, I, it's uh, high school. I was probably 100 and, I don't know, 170 pounds, something like that. But I was working out a lot then. Um, naturally, I'm, I, have like, I have a skinnier frame. I think I carry muscle a little bit differently, but I have a skinnier frame, which I think if I stopped eating and stopped working out, I'd probably be 150 pounds. Wow. wow. Um, but my legs were always strong just from hockey. I've never had big legs. I always said, like, I wish I could have bigger calves. <laughs> but um, never had big legs, but they were always, they were solid from hockey. And as far as, like, the upper body, I, I, no, I mean, that just, that came with age. We have some hockey players that come to the gym, and it seems like all, their hips are destroyed. Do you have any hip problems from, no. hockey, from that lateral push? No. Do you see that in hockey players, or is that just we have some outliers that come to our gym? I mean, it could be. It, it's all about how you take care of your body, you know, and it, it, did you always have good mobility, like in terms of you know that ability? Yeah, to, you know, yeah. Get below I'm, parallel? I'm, I'm pretty flexible now, yeah. and I've, I've I've always been pretty flexible. Yeah, I would say if anything from from hockey days, I have some issues with my elbows, um, shoulders, things like that, but nothing, nothing hip or legs or anything, which is weird. I never had any really significant injuries. I had some broken bones, but nothing, nothing like devastating. I remember when you, when we met, you told me that you were it's either police or firefighter. Which mm-hmm. one? Was it? I was a police officer. Police officer. Yep. And For when? 12 at, years. Oh, so right at, what would you have, 20, 22? Yeah, I got hired right out of college. So I was a semester behind in college because of the whole surgery um, thing that I had. So I graduated college in December and I got hired in the police academy in February. Okay. So within two months out of college. And then when, at what point did you discover CrossFit and get your L1? So I was into the, um, the traditional global gym atmosphere. And I remember going like, you know, you're going five, six days a week and then it's down to four and then it's down to three and then you're just getting sick of it. Um, and I remember a guy that I worked with who was really into CrossFit, but he was like the most out of shape looking guy I've ever seen. And I'm like, you shouldn't be like nothing fitness related should be promoted out of you. So I always thought CrossFit was kind of a joke because I'm looking at him, he's promoting it. Yeah. Couldn't do PT tests. Like, it was just... But he did um, CrossFit? Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. So, yeah. But that was back in probably 2010, 2011. So, before it was... Um, before there were all these gyms around and the education that you see online. Um, and then I was working in an a administrative assignment in the Bureau. And there was a guy that I worked with who did CrossFit. And he goes, hey, a guy just left the gym that I go to. He's opening up his own gym. And it was 10 minutes up the street. He goes, let's go check it out. I'm like, all right, we'll go check it out. And I remember I walked in and, you know, you go from like the traditional bodybuilding where everybody's in, you know, hoodies and sweatpants and, you know, headphones. And this guy walks out. So it was kind of separate. the front desk area and the lounge area. And then there was like doors that went into the gym area. So you couldn't see. And he walked out, no shirt on, like nipples rock hard, just sweating all over the place. <laughs> and, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, this is, this is weird. And, uh, and so I decided, I'm like, you know what, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll they they did a uh, their on ramp or their foundations whatever how, I don't know what you guys call it but um, so I went through that and I'm like well I'm gonna keep my regular gym membership and maybe I'll do CrossFit three times a week just to work on some conditioning I remember he looked at me to this day I I'll never forget he goes yeah you'll you'll never go back to the regular gym went through foundations and never, never went, went back, back to a regular that. gym and that was 2012. Um, yeah. And seven seven years it. ago. Yeah. And so what was the name of that, or where was that, Jim? Uh, CrossFit Brickyard. So that's in South Windsor. Oh, I've heard of that. So if you just take Route 5 yep. straight down, 
and they still still around. Yeah, yeah. And yep. so, yeah, you you drank the Kool Aid right away. So, when did you get your L one? Maybe a year after that. Yeah, I uh, um, I remember the first workout I did there. I was it was a partner workout, and I teamed up with this little blonde girl who was probably like five one, five two, tiny thing, and we're doing this hero workout and it had a workout. I forget what it was, but you're doing a, it was like a, a run and you had a 95 pound barbell on your back. And you know, I'm coming from this bodybuilding world. So I'm, you know, a little bit bigger and you think you're in shape and I'm running with this girl. She's running with a 95 pound bar on her back and I'm asking her to slow down and I'm just running wow. just my body. And we got done with the workout and I'm like, I'm, I'm hooked. Like I got to yeah. find out why she just absolutely destroyed me in this workout. Um, I got hooked with it and then, I kind of, I have like an obsessive personality where I just got really into all the movements and how to do it. But back then it wasn't, you didn't really get coached, you know, it was kind of like everybody was kind of off on their own. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos and I remember watching like a Jason Kalipa or Chris Spieler YouTube video on how to butterfly pull-ups. And I'm like, I just sat there for an hour and just tried to get it. And, um, I just got more and more involved and, uh, I, I went to the owner and I said, Hey, I would love to coach. And I go, I don't have the thousand dollars to go to my L1 and, He's like, all right, well, we'll we'll front you the money for that, and then just work it off when you come back. So I went and got my L one, and then uh, I coached there for I don't know two years, something like that, and then decided to do it full time. Had you ever done Olympic lifting before no. then? No. What was that like? Hard. Yeah, I couldn't overhead squat with a PVC pipe or anything like that. What's your current or what's your all time PR clean and jerk and snatch? See, I'm not. Uh, clean and jerk is 300, um, and snatch is 245. Yeah. I'm not like, I have really long arms. So getting anything overhead and snatching, like those aren't really great movements for me. Um, pretty good numbers, but yeah, I mean, they're all right. Like <laughs> that's respectable. Like I don't, I don't lift heavy anymore. Really. I just don't like, it just doesn't feel re- like maybe once a week I'll, I'll, I'll lift something heavy. It just doesn't feel really great in my body anymore. Um, so, so you coached for two years over at Brickyard, and then you made the transition right to gym ownership? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the gym, the gym ownership thing I was looking at for a while, and I was kind of going back and forth, you know, um, bringing on a partner. I, I had uh, a friend of mine who I worked out with was an attorney, so I had him. I went to him, and, I, and we talked for a while before, and I, and I just ran up by him. I go, hey, if this is something I decided to do, you know, and I'm, I was going out looking at properties on my own. Um, and I go, would you be able to do all the, all the work for me? And he said, yeah. And then, um, I kept looking at it. I wasn't sure, you know, you, you, you have a full-time job and career. And, um, but I also knew that you couldn't do both, you know, like in my opinion, you know, if I want to do it, be the sole owner, I didn't want to partner. Um, at first I did, and then it just wasn't working out. And I'm like, if this isn't working out right now during basic discussions, like it's not going to work out later. So I went off on my own and I was thinking, well, you could work overnight hours and then do that during the day. And I'm like, how long is that going to work burning on both ends? Um, so I don't even know how long, maybe like five, six months after starting to look and talking to my attorney, he contacted me and said, hey, I know two owners that are that own Bionic and they're looking to sell. The gym's on the market right now. Um, and he goes, I think they have a buyer. Uh, the buyer uh, initially was a guy who owned a gym in, in Connecticut, in Southern Connecticut. He goes, I think they pretty much have the deal locked up. So it was like that day I drove down there. 
Um, they weren't there, but I sent them a, a text and an email saying I'm interested. I met with them, um, and for one reason or another, they decided to go with me instead of the other guy, kind of a last-minute nice, a last-minute switch, which the other guy wasn't really happy about. No. But um, That's yeah, awesome. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, so you heard that the deal was almost done mm -hmm. and you still went. Yeah. How many people would have not went? A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. 95% of the people out there, they hear something and they accept. Yeah. Like I can't stand when people just accept things. Like it, you got to find out for yourself, well, right? That's what you did. You, you, it's kind of the same mentality of, um, I, I really have this true belief of like, I, I'm one of my biggest fears is the whole cancer thing. Right, where like one day you're fine, and the next day you go to the doctor because you have a cough, and you find out you have stage four cancer. Like, you hear those stories all the time. So I, I just I have this true belief inside of me. Like I don't want to hear that, and then go. I wish that I lived something again. You know, like you only have one life, and it sounds corny because you hear it all the time. But like I, I truly believe that. Like yeah. I, I do not want to waste my life, and I don't want to look back and say, wish I had done this. Yes, wish I had done that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I told, I, I yeah, subscribe I to that as well. So. Yeah. When they're like, well, I think the deal's closed. I'm like, well, the only one way you're going to know, right? Like, go try. Yep. It's going to show up. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, and it was back and forth. I don't know if they were playing like hard to get or whatever. And the financial situation of how I was going to pay for it, as opposed to how the other guy was going to pay for it, I think they liked better. Um, but I had to try. So day one, you got, you close on the deal. Um, when did you give your notice to the station? Um... I probably had about a month where I was, the deal was set and then I was going over everything, the numbers and doing all that. And I kind of used a lot of my time that I had there. And, um, yeah, maybe like a month after that, I gave my notice. And had, they had a pretty good base, like in terms of membership or. Uh, yeah, I kind of got, and this is where you learn from your mistakes, right? right? Where, um, one of the things that I wanted was I wanted all the financials. I wanted a list of all the members everything that they had tax returns and things like that. So they give me a list of all the numbers and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, well, I'm inheriting a gym with like 120 members. I'm like, Great. awesome. Yeah. Right. So I get in there after the deal is done, I start doing my research and I start seeing like tracking their attendance. And I'm like, well, this like, I don't know, a lot of people like haven't been here in like two, three months. So then I called every single person. I called or I emailed every single person. I go, hey, I'm the owner and, you know, just want to check in, you know, invite you in and, and talk and come to find out they did like this big Groupon deal. So they got this whole influx of people. They put them into Wattify as a member and these people came for like one or two classes and then they left. Yeah. So there was some part of the deal where I was going to pay them a little bit. I was going to pay them another uh, smaller payment two months in and I went through all the numbers I went through my attorney I'm like I'm not I'm not paying that money like there's there's no yeah. way like I went from 120 members that I thought I was inheriting probably down to like 75 yeah something big, like that big jump yeah yeah what year was this 2014 2015 somewhere around there yeah 2015 maybe yeah cool so almost four years you've been um, just running the gym. Yeah. 
So I'd like to dive into fitness now. I, I know. You've been waiting. I can tell. <laughs> you've been waiting for this. Yeah. I wanted to hit business on the, the backside of this podcast or the end. I don't know what I can offer on the fitness part, but we'll okay. try. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> <laughs> We've All got right. questions. Yeah. We got, I, I have questions. I want to break down 19.5. Remember that workout? So 19.5 is the name of an open workout for people that aren't into CrossFit. The workout was 33, 27, 21, 15, 9. That's a rep scheme. Mm-hmm. And it's 95-pound thrusters, so that picture a front squat into an overhead press. With a barbell. With a barbell with 95 pounds on it. So you do a front squat, and then you press it overhead. You do that 33 times. Then you do 33 chest-to-bar pull-ups. Chest-to-bar pull-up is what it sounds like. Your chest hits the bar each rep. So picture a pull-up, but your chest is hitting the bar. All right, so it's a total of each of those movements, 105 thrusters at 95 pounds, 105 chest-to-bar pull-ups. So my time, and I I would say that... Hold on, did you do research? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We got some facts. (laughs) We have statistics. You got got the Venn diagram. Uh Yeah. Yeah, we had our our assistants do the uh, research. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We did all the research. Um, So... My time in, I would say that chest of our pull-ups are a strength of mine. Like a, definitely, You're very good at pull-ups. Definitely not a weakness. So, yep. I, you know, I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm, I'm horrible I, I, at those. I, I forgot my time, so I don't, I don't know gonna where we're going you. with this. I have, we're it, right, I have it right here. <laughs> yeah. So my time is I didn't get, to, I got to the round of 15. So I did the 33, did the 27, did the 21. Into the 15, in the round of 15, I got 15 thrusters, five chest of bar pull-ups because there's a cap at 20 minutes. 20 so it minutes, took you 20 minutes to get through to the round of 15. To the round of 15. Okay. Couldn't finish the workout. Felt pretty good about it. That was all I had. And you're a pretty fit person. Decently, but, well, hold on. You might take that back, D. <laughs> so Chris over here, he got through all of it. I mean, but he got through all of it in 10 minutes and 43 seconds. <laughs> So that that's twice. I mean, really, it's he's moving a lot faster. Twice as fast as I am. Yeah, it's not like the weight is super heavy for either of us. I mean, well, I think the weight's pretty. I mean, again, it, it got for heavy. the normal average everyday person, it's for women. You know, it's, it's a good amount. Of it's a lot of volume. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of volume in ninety-five. It is. How do you reach that? How did you reach that level of fitness? And I guess. My biggest question when we're doing this research, I see in 2017, you went from like 8,000th place in the 35 to 39 year old category. Yeah, I think I got hurt that year, so I don't think I finished all the workouts. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that makes sense. I didn't drill into each workout. Then in 2018, you went to 30th. Yeah. Huge jump. So I was just wondering. In the world. Yeah, in, in the world. So I was just wondering, like, what changed? in your training, but if you were injured, maybe nothing. Um, yeah, 2017, I don't know what did happen. Oh, I tore my labrum. So that like the inner part of your, your shoulder. Um, I remember it was like, it was, so at the time, because I didn't, I wanted to, I was really trying to make a, a run for the games for the 35 to 39 division. And I didn't want to have to worry about programming for myself on top of running a business, on top of doing everything. And this is where you quickly realize like you, you can't do both, right? Like you can't be a competitor and try to run a business and be a dad and do all that. So um, 
I was following, I think I was following Comp Train, the master's program, because there was someone else in the gym following it too. And there was one workout where it was like wall balls and chest of bar pull-ups, and it was maybe a week and a half before the open. And I went up for one chest of bar pull-up, and I just, I felt it pop right in here. Um, and then I came down, I'm like, well, that's weird. And then I went up for again, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, Something's it's, off. Yeah, yeah, it's done. And then I think the first workout that year was the dumbbell walking lunges with the bar muscle-ups and... Toast bar? Yeah, I remember I tried, I did like two bar muscle-ups and I'm like, um, I can't do it. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't finish that year. And then 2018 um, was probably the best year that I had in, in training, but it was also, we had a big group of people and we were trying to, we were like, well, we got a good group. We're homegrown. Let's, we didn't really talk about it too much. We were talking about regionals, right? So we all put training as, as a little higher up on the pedestal for, for priority. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as what can I equate it to, I don't know. I mean, we follow, like we did a lot of aerobic conditioning, which is probably a huge part. How many hours a day does that take? No, I don't have a lot of time. So like when I, I, I hate warming up, it's, it's my biggest pet peeve. Um, so like when I warm up, like I get everything done. So during 2018, I would probably give myself, I'd give myself like two hours a day of, of training. And I don't like waiting around and talking. Like, it's like, I give myself like a running clock. Like, all right, we're going and just. So and it's just two, two hours of work. Like, yeah, I mean, you'll do like a lifting session and then maybe some, you know, uh, it, 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 it would vary. I don't know if it was two hours of straight work. But it was a two-hour block of like, all right, we got, we got X, Y, and Z to get done. Um, and probably that year, it was, just, it was a lot of aerobic conditioning. We followed Chris Henshaw's aerobic capacity. Um, so we did a lot of testing for that to find out your numbers for like your mile and, and your 400 meter. And based off of that, it's a whole algorithm for your pacing for rowing, biking, and running. Did you so, get uh, the aerobic capacity cert through CrossFit? No. I was no. looking at that. There's none around. No, I, I don't think it's too hard to figure out, but what he had, which is nice, is that his program was a, just a basic, he had a whole internal algorithm. So you just, you plug in your numbers and then this is the workout and these are the numbers you had to hit on like each interval or what you were rowing. So it was, it was simple. It just took the thinking out of it. Um, and we had, we had a, a group of, you know, 15, 20 people that wanted to try to make something of that year. And then that was the year that we made regionals and I qualified um for the online qualifier and i decided not to do it because you know i was 38 at the time and i'm like i just my body can't do both i can't compete in the online qualifier and i probably and i, I don't know this you, you never know but like based on the workouts and i i did the workouts i i probably would have qualified for the games that year but i'm like well i want to I was the head coach and you know, it was my people, it was my programming. And I'm like, you know, if we can send a team to regionals, like it was just something I wanted to check off. And uh, I decided not to do that and then do the team training that year. Any regrets? No, not at all. Cool. Not at all. So were you on the team? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I, I think for, if I were to try, if, if I went the other way, the amount of training that I would have had to do to get ready for it, um, I don't, I wouldn't have had time between. Yeah. I mean, what do you think like that type of time commitment is? I mean, cause there's a separator. There's a reason why there's a difference. I mean, it, and there's gotta be something with the amount of training or the type of training that you're doing. Yeah. It's, well, it's the, the type of training is a lot different Yeah, because the weight and the load has to get heavier. You right. got to incorporate swimming and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I just didn't have the time between running a business and right. being a dad and, um, I just, like, when am I going to have time to do it? Even this year, I, I did the Wadapalooza 
qualifier because uh, we had one of our coaches who she was doing it and I decided to do it with her and without even like looking into it I, I ended up doing really well in it actually like I, I I think in my age group I finished like top 15. Um, and what do you have to finish to get to get the invitation? Uh, I think it was like top 40 or top 50 maybe so I, I did well in it but I'm like and then you look at it and like they charge almost $400 to compete it's two weeks after Christmas plus staying down there and like it was just poor planning on my part and then I'm like well the amount of training that I need to do to actually be prepared and not go in there and injure yourself like you could not do the training but you're gonna get hurt right Right. because you're not prepared for it and I'm like I just don't have the time to do it it's just it's not feasible a lot of times people it's hard for people to understand I think when you get more competitive at anything and I know this from triathlons like you have to train significant exponentially more because if you're running more, if you're biking more, if you're swimming more, you need more accessory work on top of that right. to prevent injury. And it's kind of, it's similar it, with CrossFit. It, yeah. It's like people don't really get it. Like, yeah, there's a point where you're training, like exponentially. You plateau, and then you, yeah. so you need to get, you got to push through that, right? And, you got to push through it. But right. to push through that, you also need to add in more accessory work right. to make sure that the right muscles are turning on. Mm. You're using them. You're not. And that's, and that's. The other part of it is you might be training for two hours, but then you got another two hours of taking care of your body, right? right? And like making sure your nutrition is on check, which I've never had a a big issue with, but um, the recovery part and how your body feels and, you know, it's, you got to get the training in, but it's like the kids want to go to the park or they want to go to the movies. It's like, I'm not going to not do that to tell them I'm going to go and work out. Yeah. Like it just, right. it, to me, it just didn't. It's all about priorities. Yeah. And it was a little bit easier. Like doing that, you're on your own. Right. Like there was no one else that I was, that was going to train with me because it just wasn't going to happen. So yeah. I'm like, well, at least if we do the team thing, we have a big group of people that want to do it. It was a big group effort to get us there. And it was, I've always grown up in team sports. So I, it's a lot to of me, fun too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. It was awesome. Is there any money in there for somebody like you? I mean, can you find a sponsor to like for your Instagram? I mean, have you ever been approached by anybody? No, I hate social media. So I don't, I don't go on social media. If I, if I didn't have a business, I wouldn't have any social media. So I don't, I don't, I'm not one that's going to post something myself and try to get anything out of it. So that's the only way I could see it making sense is like, all right, yeah. there, I could turn pro, you know, and, and maybe get some income. And now I'm supporting my family. Yeah, but providing. even still, even, even if you go to the games where I, I think it's funny and I'm not knocking anybody, but these people that are like, oh, I'm a X, Y, and Z ambassador. Like you're not getting money. You're getting a coupon code to give to people. Like you get 10% off of their product. You're That's right? what I want to find yeah. out. Is, is, do you know yeah. that for yeah. sure? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Cause I, I was a ambassador for Redline gear before they kind of stopped with their apparel stuff. And it was just, you just got like 30% off of their clothing. Yeah. You didn't even get free shit. No, they sent some like initial oh. free stuff. I mean, but you have people that like the top 1%, they're doing really well. Right, you know? right. Because they're, you, they, they're getting sponsorship money, right? They have to be. Yeah. yeah. It, it, there's actually a really good podcast where they talk to the guy who used to own Redline Gear is now an agent for a lot of the high-level athletes. And he says that your top 10, male and female, are making enough money to live on. He goes, everybody else is just kind of like, it, it's, it's not enough to live on. Yeah. And it's, it's, they call it sponsorships, but it's not. It's, it's the ambassador deals. It's the coupon yeah. code. There's no money. Maybe if I went to the games, maybe. But it's not enough to supplement Anything. But even the top one, the, the person that comes out on top in the Masters, that's, I don't know if they're going to be able to make enough to support. Yeah, I mean, what do they get? Like 50 grand maybe? For the prize Do they? Money? I don't know. 30 grand. Yeah. But you also, I mean, that wasn't going to happen. 
Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It like, costs you the, five grand to get to the yeah, game. Exactly. Like, I mean, there's, there's a reality to it. Like it's, yeah. it's not going to happen. You have all these former athletes, game athletes that are really good that are now in that age bracket, mm-hmm. you know, like you go there and compete, you spend the money and you come in last place, but it's to say that you did it. Especially yeah. 35 to 39. Like there, I saw, um, Nick Urenka and oh yeah, all these guys like they're not in any worse shape than the guys that are in no. the open. Division. That's why like people are like, oh, you're going to thirty. Oh, you're going to crush it. I'm like, I, everybody else is moving up in <laughs> yeah, age. Yeah. Like, it's like Dan it's, Bailey's in that group now. Yeah, guys. yeah, and like next year I turn forty, and it's like, well, the 40, Well, okay, everybody else is moving up to yeah. the forty age bracket. Yeah. So, so you're you're still training hard. Clearly, I don't know if you would consider it hard, but what what motivates you to keep going and com- like compete? I guess at a high level. I don't know if you call it compete. Uh, but well, just a correction. Like I don't train hard anymore. I, I I do what I program. I've always done my own programming. I've never, except for that couple months where I was doing the master stuff. Uh, I do our workout every day at the gym. Um, I'll either do it with a class or in between classes, um, and then I'll just add in like my own lifting if I want to lift or accessory work and I'm I think I'm somewhat intelligent with that stuff um but yeah I don't I don't compete like just my priorities have changed over the last year and a half um what are they now my priorities my kids the kids in the business you know I want to be I um my business is my is my income it's how I survive you know like Snatching 275 isn't going to make me money to pay my mortgage and my utilities and, you know, for what my kids need. So I'm more of I focus on business and work and then try to get a workout in after. Um, but, I mean, when I work out, I try to push and work out hard, you know, take advantage of it. But, I mean, I work out maybe four or five days a week, something like that. So what's going on at Bionic CrossFit? Now, what are you running any promotions? What can you tell people? Yeah, no, we don't do promotions. Um, I don't, Smart. I don't believe in any, I don't believe in discounts or anything like that. Um, we're just keep plugging along. Um, we just finished a, uh, 24 hour hero, uh, event with the kill cliff. It's called the kill cliff 24 hour kill cliff team challenge. Uh, so it was one workout every hour on the hour for 24 hours, a hero workout and you do it as partners or um, so we just did that. We raised about a thousand dollars for that. Nice. Um, yeah, awesome. it was awesome. It was our second year doing it. Um, are you there the whole time? Last year I was last year. I did, uh, 16 of the 24 oh workouts. Uh, this year we did, I maybe did like 10, but like I was there for a good chunk of the morning cause we did a different last year. We did like over the weekend this year we did it, um, on a Friday. So if you came to 5.30 a.m. class, it was that hero workout. If you came to the 9.30 a.m. class, it was another hero workout. So everybody got a chance to be a part of it. Um, so I was there from the, in the morning until about 2, and then I went home for about 3, 4 hours, did some stuff around the house, took a quick nap, and then went home for, or went, out, went back for the rest of the day. And then with the holiday stuff coming, we don't, we don't do a ton this time of year. Like We have our holiday parties, and we do a, um, we do a fundraiser every year, like a Toys for Tots type thing. Um, we'll do like an in-house comp. So like an unwrapped toy, bring it in. We'll do a one day in-house event, donate it to the, um, donate to some charity. And then kind of the start of the year is where we kind of start back up again. How many members things. are you at now? Um, what are we at? Maybe like 115, 120. Yeah. I don't, it, it's weird. I, I have a very opposite 
I don't know if it's opposite than a lot of people, but I don't want a gym of 200 members, 300 members. It's just, I like what we have and I like the slow growth that we have because you get to know everybody. And Mm -hmm. I know what car everybody drives. I know if they come in and they're having a bad day and they know me and they know if I'm having a bad day and, um, you're really building a community. It's the relationship, yeah, right? Like yeah. you're, you're building relationships and you can't yeah. do that with two, 300 members and you're not going to do it. And what kind of, what does it look like when there's a constant revolving door mm-hmm. where people are coming and going, you're doing discounts. And, um, so we we grow slow. Um, but you know, our average retention for our members is like two and a half, three years that they've been with us. And that's, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. significant. It's, yeah. It's, cheaper to keep the members you have than to try to go out and Facebook ad and promote for new members. And then the amount of energy, I don't know how you guys operate when you bring new people in, but you know, we have five one-on-one classes. Um, and it's a lot of energy that you put into people. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of caring. And you can't do that when you have 10 people coming in every day. Right. Right. And the whole theory of like, and this isn't a shot at anybody that does this, but the gyms out there are like, yeah, come on in. We'll just catch you up to speed in class. And it's like, those are the people that have the bad experiences in CrossFit. And those are the people that are there for a month and never come back. And those are the people that get hurt. And the people that are coming looking for discounts, like how much are they really like buying into your theory and your methodology and your belief system in your community if they're only there for the discount? And then if you're putting them through those five classes, how much are they actually paying attention if they only paid 50 bucks, right? Like we charge almost $300 for that foundations program. That's a significant amount of money for people, right? So you know if they're gonna pay it, they're gonna pay attention to what you're saying. Yeah. And, then, and then they start the classes and we know that they go through that, they come to class, like we have, we have people that we're looking for. And I would say, even before people join, we, we walk people through, we have people going, it's a no sweat intro. Um, where they come in and we have a sit down, a 30 minute sit down and talk to them. And it's their chance to ask us any questions, us to get to know who they are, you know, their history. Do you have any, did you play sports? And just, we talk, right? There's no pressure to join. There's no sign up. There's nothing. It's a good way to start the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. most people, when they come in, they're interested, yeah. right? And a lot of those people end up starting our foundations program, but it's good to answer and squash any of these stereotypes that people have and um, kind of how we do things a little different. But I would say like out of every 10 we bring in, there's probably two that, I recommend that they go to a different place just because it doesn't fit with what we have. Um, so yeah, I like the th- I like the membership that we have, and you know you can do really really well if with a hundred members that are paying. They understand the value of what they're getting. That pay a, a good membership fee because they understand what they're getting and they get the most out of that money that they're paying. And you can have a pretty good relationship with those hundred people where yeah. mm-hmm. you could do really bad if you have 300 people and memberships are all over the place because everybody's at a discounted Tons rate and then and you yeah. don't know anybody. So you don't have that relationship. There's nothing keeping them there. But, and I was even caught up in that when I first started, like you want to hit a number, right? Yeah. Like I want X amount of members and that changed really quick where it's like, it doesn't matter that it matters. Are they staying? And at the end of the day, can you, are you paying the bills? Yeah. And can right? you sustain it? Yeah. yeah. It's important. 
You know, eye-opening metric that kind of runs alongside what what you're saying is like a Globo Gym because a lot of people compare. You know, the price like oh, Planet Fitness is ten bucks, or Gold's Gym is forty bucks. Ten bucks a month and don't show up. Don't show up. Yeah, one they they expect less than one percent of their members to show up. That every is day. crazy. I don't know if you uh, track this metric, but it, like at our gym, it's like fifty percent of our members show up every day. So it's just a such. A, I mean, they value the membership. You know, like they, they, they're showing up, they're, they're getting their money's worth. Where Planet Fitness, I mean, you spend this and don't use it and you have nothing to show for it. Your fitness doesn't improve, nothing changes. Right. So it's like... And committed, no, I, committed members are, are what creates a better experience, right? Because new people see the committed members, they see the progress, right? And, but, they feel and, that. and committed members, right? Like members that have been with you for a couple of years, like... All their friends know what they do. Right. Right. That's going to be your best marketing. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, that's free. That doesn't cost you anything. Yep. You know, where if you get people that just come and go and come and go and they don't buy into what you're saying and then they, you know, get hurt or they hate what they, they hate right. the experience. Yeah. Well, how many people are they going to go tell? Right. Right. It's just, it's not, it's not worth it to hit the number game. And I'm, I'm the same way. I track attendance every week. Nice. Like if I don't see somebody for a week, they get an email, yep. you know, and that's just going on the computer and looking. And then I'll get a lot of like, sorry, I was sick. I'm like, no, don't apologize. Like, we're just wondering where you are because we want you here. <laughs> we make sure we you're care. Right. Yeah. yeah. We care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sorry for being a little different than the other gym. Or I'll get like, I get emails a lot of like, hey, we're going on vacation this week. We're not going to be there just to let you know. I'm like, cool. I don't have to track it down. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Very cool. So where do people find you? Uh, we're in Newington. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Bionic CF. Uh, Facebook, Bionic CrossFit. Um, as far as me, I stay off the radar pretty. Who manages the, the social media? Do you have some uh, no, coach or do you do it? me and uh, like my part-time manager. Yeah. Yeah, we, we try to post something. I, I kind of – we fall off the wagon a lot with it, but um, we try to do two posts a day. Um, and our theory – and I remember I was talking to you about the two brain business. Yeah. Right. Did you guys, did you end up going? We didn't that? end up doing it. No, do it. Really? If I, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, that, that'll, that puts a lot of things into perspective just from the business standpoint of how a lot of the logistics and, and stuff like that. We could talk more about that another time, but, um, I just yeah. lost my train of thought. What, what were you saying? Uh, social media, social media. Yeah. Oh yeah. So their theory is like, and you hear this a lot from anybody, right? But content, right? Yeah. Like, can I swear on this? Of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like shitty, consistent content is 10 times better than inconsistent, perfect content. Right. Right. So their theory is like, just grab your phone and record. It's about being right? active. Yeah. Just constantly putting stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if we see a, a change in that, you know, or if we see um, a reflection of like, if we post and we get more members, I don't know, but we get a lot of interaction on it. So yeah. um, it's so goddamn hard to track. It's like, it's so easy to spend money on Facebook marketing and I, Google AdWords I met with and all a, that. Yeah. I met with a company um, who does, that's what they do. They do social media marketing. And I walked out of that meeting. I was pissed because I'm like, people who actually know how to do this are head and shoulders above everybody else. Like they were telling me that how they could track people. It's, it's, it's unbelievably scary. Yeah. yeah. It's expensive as shit. And you could probably make your money back pretty quick on it. I haven't bought into it yet, but how they could track people, it's, it's insane. Hmm. And I'm like, man, if you know anything about that and you own a business, you're, you're night and day above people night and day. Yeah. 
I got to I got to study up on the sock meds. I don't know. It was scary. I mean, they were even talking about you like you go to a um so you go to like a vendor show, right? So you're like in this big expo center. And you can hire a company. Well, let's say you had a competitor five tables down. You could target that specific table where anybody that goes to that table or walks by that table will get fed with your social media stuff. It's like geofencing or something, yeah. it's, right? It's Just insane. Because the location was, yeah. Well, it's on. even like, you know, you Google something and then you hop onto social media and you're getting ads because yep. of it, right? Yeah. It's, it's the same kind of thing. They, it's, it's crazy. The same company was hired by a RV company for a country concert. So they wanted everybody that was going into that building for that concert, they wanted their social media flooded with advertisements yeah. for their RVs. Now they could take everybody that went to that concert and they could track everywhere that they go. And then they could track how many people. They said out of, those, out, of those, out of that concert, nine people from that concert went to their facility and bought RVs within that month. No, no. Wow. And, like, and you can track that. So I could track, I could, I could pay a company where every car that drives by my facility gets fed my social media and then they go home and all of the stuff that gets fed into their stuff gets fed into any electronics that are in their home. And then you could track where it goes from there and how many of those people come back to your building. Dude, the internet's a scary place. Wow. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, and it, yeah. but it can be effective. I mean, again, if, oh, you, yeah. if you want to it's spend the tool. money, yeah, yeah, it can be. Super yeah. I mean, if, if you know how to do it, yeah. you could spend, you know, $300 a month yep. on Facebook ads and probably make a good amount of money in return. But if you're getting that many people in, you got to have systems in place to be able to take that volume of people and convert it. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, you get 10 people in a month or 20 people in a month. How are you building them into the program? How are you getting them in there safely and making sure they feel comfortable? And then how are you tracking their progress? And right. how are you stay. checking in with them? Like you really got to have systems and like a really good system in place. And that's what I was talking about with, like, with the two brain is right. that those systems are really, really good for that. Yeah. yeah two brains, a consulting company. Yeah. Well, well known in the CrossFit space, but Chris, thanks for coming on the show. This was thank fun. You for having yeah, me. Thank you. Thanks for thanks. kicking my ass yes. an hour ago or two hours ago. Yeah, it was, it, it was, was good. That was fun to watch. What, right. what was the weight you had on for your first weight? Barbell. Just a barbell. I said <laughs> That's 45. That's a 45 pound barbell, Chris. <laughs> I said, all right, I'm going to try to just keep up. So I'm going to do no you way. You did a good job keeping up. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm being I nice. didn't. No, yeah, I didn't do a good job. You beat me every round. When the, I hey, at least no you, weight. At least you jumped in. Some people just watched. I'm raising my yeah. hand. Yeah, well, you forgot your shorts. <laughs> yeah, I forgot my shorts. All right. It's a wrap. Cool. See cool. You guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed it.